The Internet Explained. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis on Radio Live. Sunday social call Von Davis Tene and uh, big haremai to all of you this evening on what is going to be one cracker of a show show number one hundred and eighty older listeners would have uh, would have clocked the knobs in their uh, nineteen eighty one or nineteen eighty hit uh, culture just then and yes. Yes, there will be a bit of politics in tonight's show, but ah, don't touch that dial. It's all going to be entirely listenable and uh, and a, a pleasurable experience right through to 8 o'clock where Graham Hill pops in for the weekend variety wireless. I'd love you to be part of the show. Text me 3920 keyword live. That'll pop up in front of me. And you can always follow me on Twitter. It's not too late. It's not too late. Twitter is still a thing. At Vaughan Davis is where you will find me later on the show. Anna Connell returned to the chair with news on what Google is doing to mark Māori Language Week, which starts tomorrow, folks. Uh, the download on weather websites, there seems to be no shortage of weather, most, both uh, domestically and internationally at the moment. And the big one, has your email been hacked? We've got a website that's going to tell you. First, though. There's an election coming up, newsflash, and despite us having had three years to think about it, not everyone has made their mind up about which party and which candidate to vote for. Well, you've got no excuse on the party side this year with seemingly more websites helping you choose a party than there are parties to choose. One that stands out for me, though, is called onthefence.co.nz, and one of its creators, Carl Kane, joins me to discuss it. Carl, welcome to the show. Kia ora, thanks for having me. Quite the rash of them this year, isn't there? There's a, there's a fair few, and um, we're very proud to be uh, part of the avant-garde. Uh, we first uh, launched on the fence in 2011 as a student project. Uh, we uh, put out a, a far more refined version in the last election, and this one uh, uh, even more refined, and we think a, a really effective tool for particularly young people. So onthefence.co.nz is a uh, project that sprung out of uh, Massey University. Tell me about the website. For someone who hasn't seen it, I don't want you to leave your radios right now and go have a look. You can have a look later. But, Carl, explain it to me. What, 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 does, it, uh, what does it present to people? What does it do? What's its purpose? Sure. So we, we start from the assumption that uh, the, the user doesn't very, know very much about politics. So we have a generation of young electors who weren't taught civics in schools. Uh, they've 
uh, grown up with parents who maybe uh, weren't comfortable talking politics around the dinner table, um, and they really don't uh, have an in to the, the political structure or the political system. So uh, we assume a really low uh, knowledge, and we've created a really low, uh, very few barriers to entry. So we uh, present politics in a very fun, very gameful, and very accessible way, and we use a lot of um, design techniques from game design in order to, to help a young uh, elector navigate the political landscape and find out where each party sits in that landscape and where maybe they see themselves or where they position themselves. So talk me through the process. I go to the website and uh, I think there might be three buttons I can choose. One of them is, you know, rip into it or words to that effect. Talk me through what happens next. So we, we, we have a, a slider system. So we've redesigned absolutely every aspect of a political questionnaire. So a lot of the online tools are basically traditional political questionnaires um, taken into an online medium. We've actually uh, worked with young people, with millennial voters, um, to look at how they think and how they, how, how they approach questions and problems. And we've designed interfaces and provocations that um, help them uh, get into traditional politics on a, in, in their own terms. So what that means is if I look at how a young person's educated, they're, they're educated to be deliberative, collaborative, uh, not so much winning an argument but engaging in a, a problem space. So we present each um, sort of subject area or um, policy area more in a philosophic way. So um, cutting to the, to, the, the, to the two sort of poles, philosophic poles that might be... Um, defining policy and allowing them in a deliberative way, not to choose one or the other, but presenting it as a balancing act. So using a custom slider to, to sort of navigate where they would sit. Um, so for example, if I had a hypothetical $100 to spend, would I invest that in 2017 more into public transport and non-motorised um, transport or more into traditional uh, roads and cars um, without denying the other pole? So, um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But we probably should just explain what actually happens. So what actually happens is you click, you know, get started, and you are asked a series of questions, and you give your opinion on those questions, right? That's the bare bones. You do. Yeah. It is. There's 18 questions. Um, oh, I'm guessing it's the same for everybody, right? It's not, not, not one of these sneaky, clever websites that serves up a, a different number and different set of questions for different visitors, is it? Absolutely not. We do, we do shuffle the deck, so the questions are always up in a different order, mm-hmm. um, and we, we, we change the poll. So we, we, we try and break the left-right paradigm by making sure that uh, the, where the arguments are set um, um, don't reflect that, that traditional left-right paradigm. So we mix it up. Um, but it is the same set of 18 questions. So the, there's 18 and questions. We go through them and I say, you know, um, oh, y- yes, I agree that there should be um, a lot more immigration or a lot less immigration or somewhere in the middle. Yep. Uh, and I, I make, my, make my selection and then it asks me, how important is this to me? And I do that another 17 times and I'm done. So I've answered all these questions. What happens next? What does the site give back to me? So there's two things which have been missed out there. One, uh, every time you answer a question, you get a visual response that reflects your answer. So we have this interstitial um, visual. No, no, I'll Uh, be honest, Carl, no one knows what interstitial means. Okay, we have this uh, 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 image of New Zealand, and every time you make a decision, we visually show how that decision would impact on your New Zealand. So if you uh, choose... uh, uh, to, to uh, new technologies in terms of energy, 
your uh, new New Zealand might have wind turbines put, put on it. And what that's doing for a young person is reinforcing that their vote and the decisions they make on September 23 have a real impact on the New Zealand they're going to live in. Oh. So each time we answer a question, that's reinforced visually with this um, with this uh, uh, lovely building of your New Zealand, uh, and that provides a little reward that keeps keeps the, a young voter sustained through the 18 questions. I must I also, must have been going through it too fast. So this is this is the uh, the little landscape of New Zealand that appears on screen, sort of when the questions aren't there. Is that right? It is. And oh, because I, I had no, I had no idea it was changing. I was just going from one thing to the, the next. It, that, that's a beautiful example of, of of who we're designing for. So a young user, if we have a 22 year old user, that's the key thing they take out of it. So that's what um, sustains their interest and gets them answering other questions. Um, to, towards the end, we switch the, switch the, the question um, format up and we change it to a more rubber meets the road. So where would you stand on uh, legalising marijuana? Where would you stand on? doubling the refugee quota. So uh, after a few deliberative questions, we, 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 we hit, the, hit the user with a different question mode, which again sustains that interest, just like they would in a game. So what, one of the ways you've, you've helped me get through to the end of this process, because I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I've played with all the competitors and some of them feel like, you know, taking a, a university entrance exam, they just go on yep. and on and on. You've got 18 questions, which is good, because it gets me to the end and gets a result. How do you choose which 18 questions to ask? Because, like, the very first one that, you know, randomly popped up for me was, uh, what was it, uh, the way governments use big data. I thought, oh, that's interesting. But is that in the yep. top 18 things of, uh, you know, of issues that concern voters? That's exactly what concerns young voters. So we have a, a philosophy of co-design. That means that we work alongside and with the people we're designing for and incorporate them into the design process. So there is a little bit of, um, uh, we, we, we do know best, there's a little bit of eat your greens. There are certain subjects which we think need to be in any uh, rigorous uh, voter advice application, which is the technical name for these things. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, uh, we, we want to have the things which concern young people um, put into the foreground. So uh, we would have asked uh, several hundred young people over the, the course of On the Fence uh, what concerns them. And they sort of had a triage um, uh, of, of what those questions were and the sort of the, the most poignant um, 18 have found, them, have found their way into the um, site. So I answer my 18 questions, I, I tell you how important they are to me, and then what's the outcome? The outcome is a, a really simple algorithm. So we are the only site that um, uh, work directly with the political parties to have them play the exact same game. So then they've addressed the same provocations in the same way, using the same interface. Um, so what we do is we match in a percentage way how, how closely to it do you align to all the different parties? So we can um, uh, we can show you uh, how the National Party or the Labor Party or the Green Party have addressed the exact same provocations that we've um, asked you to address um, and see where you position. So we rank them. Uh, we rank them overall so we, you can see which is your closest party match over the um, entire 18 questions. But also issue by issue, you can go back and there might be a deal breaker issue for you. So if there was something like public transport versus private transport was something which was really going to swing your vote, you can go and look at um, that specific question, that specific, specific um, provocation, and see where each party stands and see where you stood on that, that same provocation. So we really um, pop the lid on it. We don't, um, we don't have anything happening in a black box. You can see how the, um, how the algorithms worked and how we've come up with the result and, and, and matching you to a party. 
I'm talking to Carl Kane, one of the uh, the people behind onthefence.co.nz. Great website to help young voters especially uh, decide which party to vote for in the upcoming general election. Back soon. Auckland. 100.6 FM. Radio Live. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Welcome back to Sunday Social. Talking to Carl Kane from Massey University, one of the driving forces behind the website onthefence.co.nz, designed to take you through 18 questions and give you some uh, advice about which political party your views most closely align with. Carl, welcome back. Kia ora. What's possessed you to start this project? The Electoral Commission actually put a call to action out to the um, academic community and to the community at large um, uh, two election cycles ago uh, because the, there has been an alarming drop-off in youth voter participation. So uh, it's something which has happened throughout the West, but New Zealand has uh, seen a particularly sharp drop-off in young people participating in um, elections. So... Yeah, and so, so from from there to making a website which is about informing people, obviously that the assumption is that a lack of information is is one of the reasons for that drop off, right? Yeah, we we actually don't think it's a lack of information. We think it's a, a lack of making that information accessible. So um, there's more information out there in the World Wide Web than than ever before. But in terms of curating that and and, and making it accessible. Um, it's like drinking from a fire hose of information for young people. So we actually uh, have a very very much a curatorial role where we take all of this um, noise around uh, uh, politics and try and uh, turn that into the most, synthesise that into the most uh, easy to navigate, simple, accessible way we can. So we assume that a young person isn't ap- apathetic because they're not, um, and, but we assume that they do need help, uh, you know, as as new electors, as new voters, to, to navigate all the complexities of um, casting a vote for the first time. So it's all, it's always going to be a, a bit of a compromise because at, at, at one end of the continuum, you, you can say, hey, well, you know, to make an informed choice, you need to read the complete manifesto of every party, carefully consider it and make your choice. At the other end of the continuum, it's, you know, which leader's haircut do you like the best? And you're falling somewhere in between. What what are the risks of of, of dumbing this down at the at the, at the uh, you know in the interests of accessibility and ease of use of, of just making it too simple? Uh, possibly, but but you've got to start um, you've got to start with a, a first step. So um, I think New Zealand has realised that you know, if you're going to start a conversation, you don't walk up to someone and and start talking about the you know dolphins dying at alarming rates. You start with you know maybe talking oh, about Gareth Hughes Maybe you start with talking about the weather, asking how you are. So, so we, 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 we're we're creating a, a segue, an entry point for young people that isn't um, intimidating. It isn't uh, overly complex. Um, and it gets them comfortable that you know that, that they are able to navigate this. And this is really important because uh, if someone casts a vote, you know, the first time they get an opportunity to, they're something like three hundred percent more likely to be voters throughout their entire life. And intergenerational voting um, is, a, is a real problem, and we get we get really quickly into a cycle of mutual neglect. The parties don't cater for young people because they don't vote. Young people don't vote because they don't see the parties catering for them. So what we what we do, and our, our um, hypothesis is, is if we do enough to get them in the tent, feeling confident to cast a vote, they're invested. They've got a horse in the race, and thereafter they'll um, hopefully pay a lot more attention and become more and more informed voters as they go through their lives. So let's talk about who you 
are getting into the tent? Because a, a lot of these initiatives, and I don't know much about your audience, but a lot of these initiatives tend to attract who I might characterise as the Lisa Simpsons, the people who are motivated, the people who are engaged, the people who think politics is, is, is fun and cool. What can you tell me about the sort of people who are actually using onthefence.co.nz? How much do you know? We know a lot. Um, the analytics we've got are quite amazing. Um, and also the anecdotal um, feedback we get through uh, medium like Twitter and Facebook, we, we, we can get this constant feed of, 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 of the actual users telling us how they're using it and what they're getting out of it. Um, and it's very, very optimistic. It's something like Vote Compass is targeting the established voter, like you're saying. Um, it's probably not going to bring any new voters into the, to, to the ballot box. We're targeting the high-hanging fruit. We're targeting those um, from marginalised communities, uh, new New Zealanders, uh, those who live in apartments, which is a, a really strange group of uh, non-voters, mm -hmm. um, but particularly young people. We do also get a lot of um, collateral benefit in the people with um, learning disabilities, people who maybe um, find it difficult to read a lot of um, information. Because we make it visual and fun and um, uh, keep those barriers to use down, we're finding it being used by a lot of people who aren't served by the status status quo. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but at none of the election debates we've even had um, sign translators. Um, so so a, a tool like ours really does serve a different audience, but it serves an audience that actually increases that turnout on election day. So the last election, we um, Horizon Research suggested that we increase um, youth voter turnout by about 7%. That's about 30,000 voters. That's like filling the cake tin in Wellington with um, young people who otherwise wouldn't have voted. So, so backing up the bus, this website alone increased voter turnout by 30,000 at the last election. Is, th is that what the Correct. research showed? That's according to a, a Horizon poll that was commissioned by uh, Rock and Roll. So completely independent of us. So that's a pretty positive outcome. You'd be pretty happy with that. How many people have visited? We're, we're the, over the moon. How many people have visited the website so far this year? We're at about one hundred and thirty-five thousand, mm -hmm. um, and that's um, uh, because we can look at demographics and region. It's uh, largely the people that we're targeting. So that's one hundred and thirty thousand uh, people who are largely um, young, um, yeah, and uh, specifically um, urban. Um, that's where those large catchments of Māori and Pacifica um, non-voters are, and they're the people that we're, that we're after. So um, it seems to be working, um, and we're very, very happy. So you'd be, um, you know, 2017, a lot of conversations come back to data. You'd be privy to some interesting information about young people's voter preferences. What Absolutely. do you do with that information? We do absolutely nothing. We're incredibly respectful of it. Um, we're there to serve in a very pedagogic and a very teacherly way. Um, we're, we're there to serve the user. So uh, we, we, we're, we're as much an educational tool as anything else. So we're something like Vote Compass was maybe used to create stories, to sort of take the pulse of the established mm -hmm. electorate. Um, we're, we're not that at all. We're there to serve the electorate and to, to provide in a really impartial way um, without any sort of... Um, secondary business case for it. We're just there to serve um, young voters and help them get on their journey as, as voters. So it's, it's a question that hadn't occurred to me before, but, you know, it, it, one way or another, this initiative is largely taxpayer-funded, I'm right, through, you know, through the university, through the Electoral Commission. Yeah, what's what's um, stopping, and, and what's stopping me as a, as a taxpayer? Like Pardon me? And also some wonderful people like the McGuinness Institute. For sure. But what, what's stopping me as, as, a, as a taxpayer or someone in media from, from asking of you, you know, what the, what the uh, that data tells you? 
Um, I guess we've got a, a, a terms of use, so we've been very upfront um, uh, every time we put these out of, of, of what the tool's for and um, that, that we won't capture or record this, um, this information. So it is there to, to serve a particular purpose and we're very clear about that. Okay. So you've been running uh, on the fence.co.nz for this is your third crack at it. So you know something's, wor- something's clearly working, and you've indicated that it is. What, what have you changed over over those three iterations uh, to, so to be, make it work better? We've changed who's been designing it and how it's how it's been designed. So we started off um, very much uh, student led. So the original students uh, originally a student team in 2011 drove it. Um, it then got run through a masters of design, design uh, process. Um, and was, became quite um, theorised. Um, the, a team of uh, professionals, myself and uh, my colleague Tim Parkin, uh, drove it f- forward in 2014 in a, a, a more professionalised way. Um, and then this year we've um, taken all the learnings from all of the tools which we've designed, which include Ask Away, um, Flag Post and Vote Local, which was a, a tool from last year's uh, local body elections. We've taken all the learnings from those and uh, applied them to this version of On The Fence. So it's entirely new. Um, this is the first time we've actually reached out to the political parties and had them inform um, the tool directly. So they inform the algorithm, the, the, the computation that, that drives the result at the end, um, which has been a, a, a real risk and a, a really interesting piece of research in and of itself. And, and did you get good uh, response from all of them? Did any of them decline to take part? No, 100% um, responded. Uh, we were really uh, grateful to all of them. Um, they, 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 they all seem to value the, um, the kaitiatitanga, the mahi, the, the work that we're doing, um, and they seem to get it. Um, a few people, it's, it, it's, it's one of those things where it is targeted for young people and it is very qualitative. So there are a few people, older, you know, rational left brain sciencey types who um, still find flaws in how it's done. Um, but they're exactly the same people that you're talking about, the Lisa Simpsons. Um, and who were going to vote quite, anyway. And they were going to vote anyway, and they've, they, they've made up their mind. So we're not designing for them. So one of the barriers, uh, and this we could talk about this for, for, for another 20 minutes, but one of the barriers uh, to participation is you know access to information, understanding what the parties stand for. Another one that just keeps coming up is online voting. You know, if only we could vote online, everything would be okay, youth participation would be through the roof, problem solved. Where, do you have a point of view on that? Yeah, I do. I don't think, um, I, I don't think that this is technologically, technologically determinant. So what I mean by that is I don't think that the um, being able to, to vote online is going to um, increase things too much. I think some of the initiatives which uh, are wonderful is uh, are things like being able to enrol right up until the day before the election. So this mm-hmm. year, you can, a young person can walk into um, an early voting booth any time up until September 23, walk in, enrol and vote at the same time. I think that's an incredibly um, powerful initiative. Mm-hmm. But the, in terms of the act of, um, uh, of, of voting, hey, look, young people can, if they're inspired to get a car, they can uh, go through the licensing process, buy a car, like registration insurance, all the... Everything which goes along with that, um, just being sold on, uh, you know, the idea of freedom. If we can sell them an idea of democracy, they can. They're absolutely well um, capable of uh, walking down to the local primary school and casting a vote. I don't think that's the barrier. Long live the orange marker pen. Hey, uh, Carl Kane <laughs> from onthefence.co.nz. Thanks so much for joining me on Sunday Social. Thanks for hosting me. Auckland. One hundred point six FM. Radio Live. Vaughan Davis, hashtag Sunday Social Radio Live.
Hashtag kia ora. welcome back everybody. Welcome Anna Connell to the show. Hello, Vaughan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm 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 a, a box of well, I don't know, fluffy ducks. A, a, bo- a, a box of ducks. A box of ducks that's somewhere between between fluffy and feathery in that fledging stage. Yes, that's quite spring of you, actually. That awkward isn't it? that awkward in between duck stage. Having said that, I had a very good meal of Peking duck last night. Delicious. With the wee pancakes and the and the sauce. Oh yum. Oh yeah, you're that's hungry so now. Good. Yes, I am. You're hungry dinner. now. Hey, how's um, how's election season treating you? Oh, I'm starting to feel fatigued. Two weeks to go. Well, you can vote tomorrow. You can vote tomorrow. Can I? Yeah. Oh. Didn't you not know that? <laughs> Anna Connell. I, I, th- I thought you were politically engaged and highly motivated. Well, I would say I definitely am, but I have. I didn't know you could. Oh, no. Okay, well, here's the news. If Anna doesn't know, then you don't know either. Tomorrow um, marks the start of advanced voting, and you do not need an excuse. You do not need a reason. Once upon a time, you had to be out of town or working or whatever on election day in order to do uh, advanced vote. I know. That's that's what we were told back when we did our first elections as as 18-year-olds. But for the last two or maybe three elections, maybe the last two, you can just rock up at an advanced polling place, so you can find those at elections.org.nz, and vote your little heart out well, from tomorrow morning. What an innovation in democracy. It I is quite it. something. The only problem is I, I, I'm loath to do it because, uh, you know, what's our vote for candidate X and... You know, candidate X turns out to do something scandalous yeah, between well, now and two weeks left. Mind you, you could vote for them on election day, and they could do something scandalous the next day, couldn't they? So yeah, I guess, but at least there's kind of a bit of a line in the sand there. Also, I just like going out on election day and going to the polling. Oh, place. me too, me too. The orange, the, the smell of that orange ink. It's a, exactly. It's, it's, it's a, there's nothing like it, and the cardboard booth and yeah. the sausage chisel outside and the I voted sticker. The I voted sticker and the kind of sense of camaraderie with your fellow citizens. And you're not going to get that with online voting, sitting sitting at your laptop going, bing. No, and look, I don't actually, I'm not a big supporter of online voting anyway. I struggle to find anyone who is, and I know this is Sunday Social, I know I'm Mr Tech, but uh, you know, the, the more tech people you speak to and the more security people, and more about that later in the show, uh, the less support you have. And, you know, speaking to Carl Kane from onthefence.co.nz, he made the good point. If, um, you know, if, if people can be bothered to jump through all the hoops to get a driver's licence, then surely, you know, they can equally stroll down to the local library or school on Saturday the 23rd and go, tick, tick, where's my sausage? Yeah, I don't, I don't think the actual physical act of having to vote is um, a big factor in why people don't. Absolutely agree. Hey, um, election debates. Now, this is interesting. And the worm is one of those. Um, the worm is one of those characters in New Zealand uh, political folklore, whose shadow extends a heck of a lot further across the landscape than um, than, than its brief and uh, shining presence would suggest. But we've kind of got the modern equivalent of the worm through Google data. Yeah. So Google shared some data after the News Hub debate. Um, between Jacinda Ardern and Bill English, which was around what people were searching for during the debate. And it turns out that uh, people were searching for Jacinda Ardern um, more than they were searching for Bill English. So Kiwi's search interest in Jacinda Ardern was almost one-third higher than Bill English's during the leaders' debate. Um, And then there's quite a difference between what people were searching. So... The biggest search um, in relation to Bill English's was his salary, his net worth, and boxing, which 
There's a weird sort of throwback to a charity boxing match she was involved in in 2002. So I'm surprised. I, I have I have no memory of that, but no, I'm sure, I'm sure it's I. true. Um, and then the top trending searches for Jacinda Ardern were about her age and husband and partner, which is that a wee bit telling? Isn't um, <laughs> aren't we just the uh, the most well informed electorate ever? Mind you, the, the the fact that there were more searches about Jacinda Ardern versus Bill English could could just reflect the fact that people don't know as much about her. Yeah, maybe maybe not. Yeah, no, okay, that's you know, that's probably fair. Google's there to tell you stuff. The, 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 it got me interested though because I, I I'm, I'm fascinated by this um, Google autocomplete thing. You know that you, you start mm, you start you start typing something in and it finishes it for you. And so I typed in "Is Jacinda Ardern?" and the first word that came up was "married." Yeah. Well, the answer is no, but good ass. Um, and is Bill English uh, completed with Catholic? But isn't that, like, married and Catholic? I mean, those two things together are almost quite funny, that that's what you're getting with this is, this is, this is what this is what, the peop- this is what Google thinks we want to know. Catholic and married, like it's 1952. I know. Oh, is he a good Catholic boy? Is she married? Because I know she has a boyfriend, and, and, and I deduce that they live... Under the same roof, Cheryl. Under the same roof. Shocking. Google is actually up to some uh, some serious good though this week, and I mentioned in the intro that this is Māori Language Week, which is uh, that snuck up on me. Yes, I know. Same. It does. Well, well, it's the election. It's the election. Yeah. There's one story in town. And it's the election. But they've come up with a, a, a neat thing called Say It Tika. Yeah, so I really love this. So it is a partnership between Google and Vodafone um, for Tiwiki o Te Reo Māori. And essentially what they are trying to do is um, get Google Maps, the, the voice guidance on Google Maps to pronounce Māori place names and street names. Peter and more correctly, which which is which is not a bad idea. It's really. a great idea because they're all terrible. They're horrible the way that it is currently. The occasional pronounced. one, the occasional one is good, but yeah, you're right. Most of them are horrible. Yeah, but but then they're horrible across the board. Um, Aucklanders who you know have been to have been to the Ponsonby Greylin area uh, will be familiar with Jervois Road Jervois and, and Point special. Chevalier. Yeah, Chevalier. I mean, yes. Look, the. the Definitely some poncing up of Point Chevalier going on there. But I think, you know, what a cool idea for um, Māori Language Week. And it's really nice that it's kind of crowd-powered as well. So, so have you played with it? Have I have it? played with it. So you go to um, Say It Tika, well, so Tika being the Māori word for right, .co.nz, and you can kind of zoom in on maps and it uses your location. So you give it permission to access your location and you can drop a pin on um, any streets or places that you want the Māori Language Commission to provide the correct pronunciation for. Yeah, but because to check, you, you can you can click on a street and, and it will speak to you to say how it currently pronounces it, right? Yeah, so I did we live around um, uh, Tainui Road in, in Devonport and um, I checked that and the pronunciation currently is awful. It's like Tanu or something. Yep. So, 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 so by clicking on that they'll come up with a list that they'll uh, they'll hand on to the Māori Language Commission yes. who will go through and street by street check it out. I, I, I wonder if it's going to be quite a large task because I had a look this afternoon 
and it was up to about 15,000 pins. Yes, That's I think... a lot of checking and I correcting. I did it just before I came, so it was probably about 16 and a half by then. So people are really into and it, which one, is great. And that's one day in. Yeah, I know. So it's a, it is quite a big task. But actually, when you think of it, um, you know, in a broader sense... The task Google has taken on, and, we, and we, yeah, we're, we're critical and rightly so of the fact that, the, you know, on this amazing free service, they've got the pronunciation wrong, so mm. we're right to be critical. <laughs> um, their job is to correctly name and pronounce every street, lane, roundabout, crescent, oh, si- side street yep. in the entire world. I know, I know, and wh- whether or not this thing sets a precedent. I mean, it's a really, really cool piece of work. I love it, but imagine the precedent it now sets where... It- Every country can kind of go. Well, you must start yeah, pronouncing. Yeah. Well, but the cool, the, the cool thing, as far as I could tell, the f- cool thing is this: this seems to be the first place in the world that this has been done. Ah, okay. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. So, but maybe if it goes bananas, and maybe if there are just too many pins, they'll just, uh, you know, they'll just go. Imagine yeah. what happens if they try and do it in Australia, because some of those um, Aboriginal names are intense and very long. They're very long. <laughs> They're very, very... They're, they're wonderful, but some of them are super long. <laughs> they are super long. Hey, let's talk about hacking. Let's talk about ha- hacking very quickly um, because, you know, hacking and cybersecurity are uh, a topic never far from my mind as as an internet commentator. Um, you would have seen in the news, you would have seen this, Anna, that um, around 143 million uh, credit records in the United States uh, with a company called Equifax, which is kind of their Bay Corp, were accessed and stolen. I know, I saw that. And what a shocking, like, number of well, it's, quite, it's all of them. It's all of them. This entire, this company's entire database uh, had all of them nicked. Uh, you know, name, social security number, en- enough stuff to sign up for something. You know, that, that personal information. Yeah, and then that kind of, like, slight air of insider trading as well from the people involved with Equifax. Yeah, how about that? That's so, shocking. So <laughs> like, it's, this thing is just so terrible. So, so, so three, of the, three, of the, three of the key uh, execs sold off um, a couple of million dollars worth of shares between it being discovered and announced, which is, which is kind of shocking. And it was discovered on the 29th of July, and it's now September. Yeah. And so they've waited. They've just sat on that. They've just sat on that. So what does that mean to you? Well, this is what it means to you is you're not an American, but your email address might have been hacked somewhere along the line. Yes. And it turns out there's quite a high chance it has. Um, A developer in the States have come up with a website that allows you to enter an email address or one of your um, usual online usernames and it will tell you whether or not it has been compromised. Mm. It's quite good. Did you do it? No, I didn't actually because I kind of... No, I'm scared. I'd like to just live in ignorance, I think. So the website is called Have I Been Pwned? I don't even know how to say that. It's it's Gamer Talk. It is P- Gamer Talk. P- P-W-N-E-D. I always thought that was like pawned. Pawned without an A. Yeah. Have I Been Pwned without an A dot com. And enter your uh, email address and it will tell you if your email address appears on any of the stolen lists. Do you know what? Mine did. Did it? Well, my, my private one, my well, no, my, my, the one I use all the time, my work one, uh, did not. But my old iHug one, ah. my iHug one, <laughs> Did old iHug. owned by Vodafone, uh, <laughs> turns out to have been stolen. <laughs> so there you go. Which is, is probably uh, entirely related to why Vodafone is shutting down email full stop. More about that. After the break. 100.6 FM. Radio Live. 
connecting you to the future of the internet. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social. Call Vaughan Davis, Tene and Anna Connell joining me in the booth. Uh, Nine minutes, nine minutes till Mr. Graham Hill and the Weekend Variety Wireless. In the meantime, Anna, what was your first ever email address? No, let me guess. It was Pony Club Forever at, <laughs> y- at, at yahoo.com. With, no, with a four, no, I was a bit older when email happened. Were you? Yeah, I was. I think I was, like, I think I might have been really boring and just been like Conlana oh, at really? Hotmail. At Hotmail. Yeah. So you went with the Hotmail, which is yep. pro- in retrospect a good choice. I went with iHug, uh, the Internet Home Users Group, which was one of the very first um, internet service providers Oh, here. God, is that what it stood for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's really quaint. Pe- people, people overseas especially, they thought it was to do with cuddles. Yeah. I, hug, I no. thought that was just like a nice little branding thing. Yeah, no, nah, Internet Home Users Group. Um, and one of the founders himself made my modem work. This is how early in the piece it was. Wow. They were in a little villa, a little villa on Newton Road. But the news is, um, well, subsequently, iHug was bought by someone else and that someone else was bought by Vodafone. Well, this week, um, Vodafone announced that, uh, too hard, no more email. Goodbye. Yeah, so if you've got a... You haven't got mail. No. So if you have clear iHug or Paradise... Uh, or Vodafone. Or Vodafone email addresses, they are yanking them. Um, the statements that I've seen are that they just they can't provide the service that people want because everybody is just used to the kind of cloud-based email services now, which is so seamless which, which is your Gmail. Your Gmails, even your Hotmail still. Yep, yep. Always shocking, but people mm-hmm. do use Hotmail. Um, so they just axing it. It's not a service that they want to offer anymore. I mean, you know, to a certain extent, good on them. If, so the, the, if they can't keep up, yeah, you, get yeah. rid of it. If you can't do it well enough, I suppose. But um, this, this is the opposite of what Spark did because Spark was with Yahoo for a long time, Yahoo Extra, and they yeah, pulled it back invested. in house. They're yeah. doing it. They're doing yeah. it in New Zealand. Yeah. But uh, Yahoo, um, Vodafone, obviously. Uh, paddling uh, an entirely different path. Yeah, and look, it's not an incon- like it's a it's a chunky number of people affected by this. It's about 250,000. So if you are um, a Vodafone email customer, I suggest you get there to your their website and just have a look at your options. They're going to offer a forwarding service, so panic not people. But you'd need to set that up. But you, you need, need to, to set, s- set up your new email address. Set up address. a new email address, which might be a bit of an ask for I did see somebody make a joke about it being the entire New Zealand first database, which I chuckled at. It is kind of funny. <laughs> it is. Well, it, it, it's it's a funny story. On, on Friday, I was in here doing something, and uh, Janneke to Ellen, who's a um, fantastic, fantastic journalist, came up, rushing up, talked to me. I thought, she never comes up to talk to me. This is very exciting. And not only that, she pulls out a piece of paper and writes her name and writes down her mobile number. I thought, this is, this is, this is an entirely unexpected <laughs> development. She said, now, this email thing, if you know any old people who are upset by it, call me. <laughs> I know, it was, one of, it was one of those moments. It was one of those moments. Um, the other thing to bear in mind, if you have, um, you know, Vodafone or Clear or Paradise or iHack email address, just try and try and um, remember or try and work out if you're using that to log into anything. Because oh, I yeah, was, I forgot, I was for Trade Me. I was for Trade Me. So if Trade Me is going to try and send me some, um, you know, reminders, it'll be to an email address, which very soon will no longer exist. Oh, crikey, my mum writes all that stuff down in a notebook, so check your notebooks, people. Check your notebooks and sort it out. Hey, you've got big news for Rolleston. I know, 
They, I mean, it was out of Rolleston. What a surprise. So, um, Straight out of Rolleston. Straight out of Rolleston. They have opened what they're calling New Zealand's first smart playground. So it's a normal outdoor kids kind of playground, but it's got all of these kind of markers, augmented reality markers, which you can scan with Slow your smartphone. It down Slow it down there, Einstein. <laughs> Uh, if, if, if interstitial will not stand, then neither will augmented Sorry, reality markers. What is, what is an we? augmented reality marker? Oh, well, you know, augmented reality is, you know, you hold your smartphone up and you don't see what's in front of you. You see something completely different. So a totally Superimposed. different scene. Superimposed. Mm -hmm. And the markers are just that. They're just markers. They're like a little disc that's sitting on the that side tell, of the that slide. That tells your phone what it's actually looking at. Yeah, so yeah. It, it communicates or transmits with your phone. You hold your phone up with the special Smart Playground app and instead of seeing... You know, the disc and the marker, you see a kind of whole other... Probably a dinosaur. ...world or something like that. So there's a whole lot of sort of games and challenges that are built in now which can be accessed using the smartphone app. But the problem is that a whole lot of parents um, are not so excited about it because they regard their time at the playground with their kids as screen-free time and they think this is just reintroducing <coughs> a screen unnecessarily. Well, it's, it's an interesting discussion and it's one that we were having um, in Wellington earlier this week. I, I spoke at the New Zealand Recreation Association. They have an outdoor recreation forum. They're, they're sort of the, the body that unifies your tramping clubs and your alpine clubs oh, and yeah. your kayakers and all those people. And really kind of two philosophies in the room. There was, there was one which I was pushing was, you know, in a screen-addicted future, the future for outdoor recreation is to try and be part of that, right? So mm, augmented mm, reality mm. or get data into your um, experience, get gamification into your experience. Uh, but, yeah, there was another group that went, well, no, no. No, you got to leave, leave, leave your mobile yeah. phone at the door. But I don't know, my opinion is if the amount of time we're spending on screen, you know, each day is rising and rising and rising, and there's still only 24 hours in a day, and, and, and I'm, you know, running a playground... I can either compete for that, mm. that shrinking slice of pie where we're off our screens or accept that perhaps I'm going to be part of that. Yeah, yeah. and look, they say that, um, you know, they're not designed to kind of take over the experience, but actually there's some kind of very good intention at the heart of sort of the augmented reality experience. Um, so, you know, designed to build confidence and risk assessment skills and things like that and also collect data about playground use. Yeah, which is, they, they put forward as a good news story, but on the other hand, it's a slippery slide, Anna. It's a slippery <laughs> slide. But on the other hand, swings and roundabouts. Oh, amazing. Just, I, I know. I know. I, Stop I, it. I, I, Stop I, it I wrote that down this afternoon because <laughs> I thought it would be funny tonight. No, I didn't. That was ad-libbed. Um, but uh, coming soon, or well, coming right now, actually, to a playground near you, if you are in Rolleston, uh, downloads or just just head just head to the playground and the instructions to download the app on your uh, your iPhone or um, Android device um, are right there ready for they you. They are indeed. I think I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Well, you you played with um, Pokemon Go, didn't you? Yeah, I did have just, a play with Pokemon just, Go. Just just yeah. in a professional sense, right? <laughs> totally professional. Just to give it a go and. Yep. It was fun. It was a bit of fun. And I, I vividly remember when the Pokemon Go craze was at its height. You know, the, the, the streets were, were filled with, you know, pale-faced 10-year-olds who would otherwise be sitting at their computers um, playing video well, games. that's exactly And they it. got them out there. They Exercise out there. and they learnt things about their place. Absolutely did. Hey, thank you so much, my first half guest, Carl Kane from onthefence.co.nz. Anna Connell, welcome as always. And in the booth, Kyron and new to the team, Sarah. Next up, Graham Hill and the Weekend Variety Wireless.